This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. What a week in Canadian politics, including right here in our home province of Alberta. On today's Real Talk, a crossover episode with the co-hosts of the wildly popular and entertaining Bad and Bitchy podcast, Erica Ifill and Kristen Rayworth on why Danielle Smith won, what this means for Rachel Notley and the NDP. Is the left dying on the vine on the prairies and... Of course, we'll talk federal politics as well. This episode of Real Talk is presented by our friends at CanCell. It's been a big week in cannabis across the country, and our partners over at CanCell have been up to some really exciting stuff. Uh, CanCell is Ontario's provider of cannabis retail training. Uh, They're training bud tenders and retailers to sell cannabis safely and responsibly. You probably remember last week we mentioned that CanCell and We Know Training are working on the first ever training program for selling cannabis-infused food and beverages at approved consumption sites. So that's a really exciting change that might be coming in the near future. Uh, And they've got a great course already for that. Cancel is also going to be at the Lyft Conference and Expo from June 1st to 3rd in Toronto. The Lyft Expo is one of the premier events for movers and shakers in the cannabis sector. And honestly, it's a lot more fun than your average conference. You can find them there at booth 1806 or check them out online right now at cancel.ca. Very cool to have Erica Ifill and Kristen Rayworth here in studio. Some people, listeners, subscribers uh, to Bad and Bitch are going to be going, who the hell is this guy? So it's a pleasure to introduce myself as well to your audience. But thanks for joining us here in studio. This is so awesome. Okay, so first of all, Y'all don't know like the studio setup here. I'm just like, wow. Like their cameras, there's like nice table, nice, nice floors. There's like you got everything here. Well, this is why we like, wanted I, to get you in studio, you know? Like, so you can- I could, is there an apartment here? I feel like there's an apartment here somewhere hidden. We're working on it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. We, we want to get it. Kind of the, the, the green room is as best as we ah, can do right now. There we where go. you were lounging, where you were ah, chilling ahead of time. With all the beer? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jeez, Everybody this is like the second that. time you've brought that up. So I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's I'm right. finally getting Erica now to agree to sponsorship for our podcast because now she sees what we can accomplish. Yeah, I, that's I'm, right. I wasn't, I was not um, against it. I just wanted to make sure the product was right you joined forces with erica what like three four months ago now you came on as co-host of bad yeah so we did our very first podcast together actually about a year ago right before i went to france Mm -hmm. uh we did a sort of a i came on as the sort of i guess political alberta politics person to pinch hit uh for the co-host at the time who was away and then i came on a couple other times after that and then permanently i think yeah four months ago Mm -hmm. i think was when when it it happened and so tell people uh for, for real talk podcast listeners as well as of course our friends that are going to be joining us uh, watching on YouTube as well. What's bad and bitchy all about? What's what's the premise of it? Well, it's what we call um, an intersectional feminist podcast. And so let me break down what that means. So basically what we do is we talk about politics from the perspective of women. We center a lot of the a lot of the issues we look at are the same issues that you're going to read about in whatever medium you decide to, you know, 
wherever consume, you get your news, so to speak. Consume your news. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about actually kind of doing deep dives and centering vulnerable communities in that analysis of politics, of policy, and pop culture. And pop culture is really important because pop culture is I, I always say it's the gateway to politics. It's the gateway to social issues. Um, for example, isn't Taylor Swift um, dating a Nazi or something? What? <laughs> I, mean, I mean... Johnny, check our insurance. <laughs> I, look, I didn't make this up. Like, I, I, mean, I avoid the T-Swift uh, online dialogue because... They're insane. They're so coming I'm, after you now. Okay, the this Swifties is, this is are the first I've you. heard of it, but but apparently uh, Taylor Swift's rumored boyfriend. Um, okay, and and I'm getting this from TimesOfIsrael.com for context. I don't know. This is literally the first I've ever heard of this. Uh, Maddie Healy, uh, Matt once, Healy yes. once allegedly gave a Nazi salute on stage. He's lead singer of the band The 1975, um, and he has apparently angered Taylor Swift's fans. This is reported May 26th, so just, what, like a week ago, mm-hmm. uh, with statements and actions deemed offensive to minorities and women. I hadn't even heard about this. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And and it all happened because Taylor Swift did a duet with um, a new rapper called Ice Spice, or what we call Femcees, so female rappers. And Ice Spice, so Matt, her alleged boyfriend, Matt Healy, um, got on some podcast and started talking derogatory about Ice Spice, anti-black comments, misogynistic comments. So that's what it came, comes from. Interesting. I know. Concert. I just I'm, I'm reading this at, me, uh, just, at a concert days before yeah. International Holocaust Remembrance Day back in January. Uh, Healy gave what appeared to be a Nazi salute in an act that quickly went viral, made the gesture while singing the line, thank you, Kanye, very cool. A quote, oh, good uh, God. A quote from a 28, no, wait, it gets better. Uh, <laughs> from, a quote from a 2018 tweet by Donald Trump um, praising rapper Kanye West. So he was quoting Trump, referencing Kanye uh, days before International Holocaust Remembrance Day. The gesture could have been a mocking reference to West's series of anti-Semitic statements last year, which included praising Hitler. Okay, well, uh, we didn't, so, believe it or that's not. That's the seventh circle of hell. Yeah, believe it or not. We, <laughs> so I many bad things we in one sentence. I know. Taylor Swift and Nazi salutes in our first uh, 30 seconds. But okay, so I want to, I wanted to establish the context. Um, by the way, Erica and, and Edmonton gal who now calls Ottawa home, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're an economist. People have read your columns uh, in the Hill Times. Um, and Kristen Rayworth, a longtime political staffer, political commentator based out of Edmonton. So yeah. for people that haven't met you before, that's the context. Mm-hmm. We um, actually switched because I was born in Ottawa. And is that right? Yeah, I was born in Ottawa and live in Edmonton. And she was born there. And now she lives in Ottawa. What was it? How old were you when you moved to Alberta from Ottawa? My parents uh, took me away from Ottawa when I was quite young. I was only six months old when we moved. Six to months. Edmonton. Okay. So, yeah, you so didn't obviously have I like wasn't a, like an Ottawa person. But still, you didn't have like a certain preconceived notion about Alberta. You grew no, up like no. in the Alberta and my and my lens. mom's family is from here, so they were they 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 were very they're very Alberta. And how old were you when you moved from Alberta to Ontario? No, Ontario to Alberta. Well, were you born in Edmonton though, right? No, I was born in I was born on Queen's campus. Oh, okay, KGH okay, baby. So you so you you have covered the country where you've lived. Um, what what years of age were you when you lived in Edmonton? Like, um, from about. Uh, seven or eight to like 19. Oh, okay. So like yeah. formative years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you yeah. moved out to Ottawa, everybody in Alberta, you know, was, there's sort of this ax to grind and, and we'll talk about that. I'll play a clip from Daniel Smith's victory speech on Monday night in just a quick second. Um, but, but Alberta sort of has this feeling that 
that people in Ontario don't respect the province, that they don't respect Alberta's contributions to the federal national economy. When you moved to Ontario, what sense did you get about how people felt about Alberta? People in Ontario don't know Alberta. People in Ontario don't know anything west of like Sault Ste. Marie. (laughs) Okay, like... Are you saying they don't know it or they don't care to know it? Both. They have an idea. People in Ontario feel like they are somehow more, um, I guess, liberal-minded and therefore more open and they are not. Okay? I was like... So being in Edmonton the last couple of days, I'm like... This city is so nice. It's like real. It's still real. Real people who don't put on a lot of airs and graces and stuff like that. Mm. Down to earth people not trying to be anything but themselves. You know, that kind of thing. Like that's the vibe I get. And I'm like, okay, this, this feels familiar, right? So I find that Ontario um, presumes a lot of things about Alberta. And you could tell by the coverage. First of all, I am t- I what every time I come out to Alberta, I understand what people say about CBC, about CBC being very regional, very upper Canada. So from like Toronto to Montreal, like CBC covers all of that. And you could tell by the um, the way they talked about the election. It was very, how should I put it? Um, It wasn't with much depth. There wasn't a lot of like considerations involved. Was there depth? Can I interrupt for a second? You you were paying attention, Kristen, to a lot of the Alberta-based coverage. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but was there a lot of depth to the coverage in Alberta, out of Alberta, either? I mean... I don't think so. I mean, I think there was a little bit more uh, in depth on certain ridings just because what else are you going to do while you're waiting for the votes to come in? Which oh, took, the one like, vote sure, know, that on I couldn't election figure night, out. On election but I don't, night, but I don't no. know that leading up to the election, we, we, we I talked to Graham Thompson. He's like a mm. veteran political columnist. He's been writing uh, for different Alberta outlets, most notably probably for the Edmonton Journal for like 25 yeah. years. And then he's a columnist with CBC and Alberta Views. And, mm-hmm. and, and Graham was on here talking about he remembers covering elections like he's probably covered like 12 elections or something, um, you know, provincial and federal. And, and he remembers, you know, and I remember even I'm not that, you know, I'm uh, well, whatever. I'm like, middle, I'm, I'm middle aged. I'm middle aged. No, they used to but be embedded with the up, campaign. I was coming yep. up as a as a as a reporter, as like a beat reporter in the Klein years. And uh-huh. th- there were journalists. There would be like eight journalists that would be riding the buses or like covering the Klein yeah. campaign or covering yeah. the Taft campaign or covering the whomever. Yeah. Right. And now that's just not the case. You yeah. might have one person absolutely you know covering the election for an outlet and it's not fair i i, well, I don't know if it's not fair but to us or, or to expect that one individual absolutely to carry the load that 10 people could exactly and and the thing is is i have a problem with uh resource distribution or what they put their resources in so i'm watching cbc last night and i'm picking on cbc i know but we all pay for it so i can't um so I'm watching CBC last night and they were talking about, you know, forest fires in Nova Scotia. And then they had this split screen going live at the U.S. debt ceiling debate. And I'm like, why do I need a split screen of a live feed of the, why? Well, you're an economist. Don't you care about that? I 
Not right now, no. Huh. No, not right now. You're saying the relevance to Canadians I'm, is not as significant as... I'm saying that they didn't have to do a live feed. They could have just wrapped it up, done a story on it, and and had their media packs ready. Yeah, people get excited when stuff's live, though. Yeah, uh, people love when it's live. Really? People I, will watch the Senate well, floor just bustle, even if nothing's <laughs> happening. People want to see if somebody's going to throw a punch or start yelling at each other. But I'm just like, CBC, I, I, I get NBC on like for free and 24 hour NBC for free on my um, smart TV. So I don't need CBC to cover all American politics. Yeah. That is my point. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, let's, let's, let's focus our conversation here. We don't have to, but <laughs> yeah. let's talk Alberta politics. Let's talk about why Danielle Smith won. Let's talk about how you expect that she's going to govern maybe for how long she will govern. There's a lot of balls in the air. This is all speculation. This is what you do after an election. Why don't we start with a, a snippet sort of a, you, you might call this uh well, a bit of a, a sneak peek on uh, the messaging that you can expect coming out of the Alberta legislature aimed at Ottawa over the next while. So we need to, come together no matter how we have voted to stand shoulder to shoulder against soon to be announced Ottawa policies that would significantly harm our provincial economy. Now we have been made aware that in the coming weeks Justin Trudeau is planning on bringing forward new restrictions on electricity generation from natural gas that will not only massively increase your power bills but will also endanger the integrity and reliability of our entire power grid, which we rely on during our cold and dark Alberta winters. In addition, the Prime Minister is already ready to introduce a de facto production cap on our oil and gas sector that, if implemented, if implemented, will result in tens of thousands of jobs lost, tens of billions in lost investment, damage our province's fiscal position, and bring economic hardship to Albertans. Now, I've made myself clear on this matter to the Prime Minister in person and in public, but I feel we need to do it again. Minister and his caucus are watching tonight. <laughs> but let me be clear, this is not a road we can afford to go down. If he persists, he will be hurting Canadians from coast to coast and he will strain the patience and goodwill of Albertans in an unprecedented fashion. And as Premier, I cannot, under any circumstances, allow these contemplated federal policies to be inflicted upon Albertans. I simply can't, and I won't. All right, so there she is. I mean, the, the saber-rattling uh, continues. I can't, I won't, I hope he's listening. The, this is what you expect out of a, a Western Premier. Maybe a little more combative from a Conservative Premier. I would have been curious to see how Rachel Notley uh, might have messaged her her defense of Alberta or her opening remarks, if you want to call that, to, to the next four years or however long it lasts. But but what did you make of the tone of what Danielle Smith brought to the table Monday night? I think that's the same tone that she's had since she ran for the leadership. Yeah. And it is a tone. I mean, if there's one thing that's going to get you conservative votes in Alberta, it's saying that you're going to protect them against Trudeau mm -hmm. and against Trudeau policies. And it is a very popular message that resonates and she just won on that message. So I, I wasn't surprised to see that she went at him. 
And I think she will continue to do it. What I what I do hope and what I think could be happening behind the scenes is her conversations privately with him are probably significantly different than that kind of saber rattling and that kind of, you know, fervor that she puts out there, because I do think she acknowledges and recognizes that you can't, you know, yell at someone if you want them to do something for you. So the private conversations, but it will also be very interesting to see who she puts in key cabinet spots that will be dealing with this. So environment, energy, like who are the people that she's going to give those spots to? Because, I mean, she's lost her environment minister, Sonia Savage, who didn't run again. And, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how she's she lost that. the finance minister. She's lost. She's the lost a lot minister. of people. She's lost yeah. The justice minister. Right. Yeah. People are and, and, and people are looking. And this is I mean, if I'm a, a rural UCP MLA that's just been elected, I'm, I'm going sort of like double banger Trudeau salute to some of the commentary and some of the conversation that's been out right now, because yeah. a lot of the chatter early on is that the conservatives that the United conservatives who have will form government have a thin front bench mm-hmm. that there's not like depth, re- really significant depth in putting that cabinet together. Um, I was interested to Seamus O'Regan joined us. I, it was probably about a year ago now, approximately federal minister, obviously liberal minister. And I asked him about the relationship. What's the relationship like with Alberta right now? And, mm-hmm. and he said, I mean, these are my words, not his. I don't remember his exact words. People can check our archive, but he was like, He's like, Minister Sonia Savage is delightful. He's like, and cooperative and collaborative. And we're having great conversations. <laughs> it knocked my socks off to hear it, to hear the truth of, of the way that it really is. I will say this, you know, how Ontario gets its power versus how Alberta gets its power. Daniel Smith's not wrong in going net zero on a relatively shortened time frame. A province like Alberta that, that uses coal or natural gas much mm-hmm. more than a place like Ontario that that uses hydro, for an example, mm-hmm. um, it is going to cost Alberta a lot more. And there are things to be considered. Like, mm-hmm. not everything that she's saying is just partisan performative bullshit, mm-hmm. right? The question is, like, what are the real issues and what's the real focus going to be? And will we see any sort of cooperation between a united conservative government and a federal liberal government? So. Well, here's the thing. It's, it's, it's the fact that we are a resource-based economy and... That is Canada, different resources. If you want to talk in terms of climate change and environmental policy, I mean, that is a thin line that has to be kind of walked. And it's a tightrope from for any Western politician. And, um, you know, I, I, I always feel like I want to check my facts before, like I, I need to fact check Danielle Smith. However, it doesn't mean the spirit of what she's saying is wrong, if you know what I mean. Um, If you look at what's happening in England right now in terms of electricity and in terms of cost of of heating homes and stuff, that's scary. And if she can kind of like make Alberta (laughs) fear that, then, you know, she's going to have a pretty good piece of power well i mean it's it's the pierre polyev playbook right now right pinning inflation on the prime minister just inflation just Just inflation and like that's clever if you're not but if you're not the type of person if you're not like an erica Ifill who goes hey before i like sound off in front of a microphone i'd like to fact check a few things if you're just the average person that's like oh i i I forgot to pay my phone bill i gotta get that and oh my gosh i forgot to pick up milk on the way Mm -hmm. home and oh my gosh i can't i ran my car empty before filling up with gas and oh the kids are gonna be late for soccer practice you're kind of believing some of the stuff you're hearing, taking some stuff at face value and not fact checking. Feelings I mean, this, don't care about your facts. Yeah, this was the to a certain degree. We talked about this on the show 
the day after the one televised debate for the provincial election. And, and there was a there was a and you can check it out. You can check out our episode of Real Talk uh, that morning, the morning after did for you, it, because we referenced the Twitter thread. A guy went on the record and, and fact checked Daniel Smith on 37 different statements. Uh-huh. I mean, so that just goes to show you, you say, well, who won the debate or, you know, who who emerged the winner, who moved the needle, who mm-hmm. changed minds? Nobody really talked about who is accurate. Yeah. You know, who, who was presenting facts in good faith. But that's uh, where media becomes so important. And that's where, um, and it seems like sometimes mainstream media doesn't do it either. So people have to then find media that they rely on, that they believe, like yourself. So, for example, they're going to say, well, I wonder what Ryan has to say about this tomorrow. Sure. Right? And I know he's going to fact check. I know he's going to have people on that are going to fact check. You know who does oh. a great job fact checking? Our audience. Oh, I have no doubt. I appreciate it. I mean, this is one of the this is one of the really big things that an engaged audience like the real talk audience mm-hmm. brings to the table. Yeah. You don't get too far going down the road of something that is polluted with inaccuracy. I don't I get really that far on Twitter that. with my like with my followers. They're engaged. Mm-hmm. Right. And they will they'll gently fact check me if I'm wrong. Right. Um, but I appreciate that because it's not. I really do think that now fact-checking is like a community responsibility, which is sad. Let me hop in on our live chat for a sec. Alberta Girl says, while the UCP is fighting green energy, the prairies are being covered by wind turbines and solar panels. It strikes me as out of touch. Uh, Jillian says the issues in England uh, are due to, and by the way, Jillian attended our Real Talk election night VIP viewing party, so I had a chance to talk to her. She, lived, she lived in London for a decade. Uh, she says the I issues only lived in England there for a year, are so. due to, uh, and I was up in the north in the Lake Country for uh-huh. a year. Yeah, yeah. She says they're due to no caps on energy prices. The energy companies yes. in England are making record profits. We also had an interesting investigation last Friday. Economist Trevor Toom on the show yep. talking about, a, 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 as well as uh, as Shauna Feth from the Alberta Chambers mm-hmm. of Commerce, why they think that actually capping prices is a, is a bad economic policy. If you want to learn more on that, go back and listen to last Friday's uh, Real Talk Roundtable. Uh, and then I appreciate a lot of people like Cadmus Rex wondering, and we'll get to this later in this episode with these two. Um, you know, who will they blame for all their ills when Trudeau is no longer in power? I'm going to ask these two if they think that Pierre Polyev is going to win the next federal election. First, let's remind you that this show simply does not happen. Erica, the beer fridges are not full if we don't have sponsors. And that's why we're so grateful for partners like our friends at California Closets. Now, everybody knows them as the best in the business when it comes to custom closets and storage solutions for your entire home. And we've told you about our family room and what they did with our entertainment center, what they've done for our bedroom and the walk-in closet. They're stunning stuff, but what about your garage? I mean, it's always the overlooked part of the house, isn't it? But the garage is the workhorse of the home, so why not make it work a little harder for you? With custom-designed garage cabinetry, drawers, shelves, even specialty wall storage racks, I love what they do. Get those rakes and brooms and everything else off the floor and up into a place out of the way so you can actually, I don't know, entertain in there, maybe bring in a foosball table or even park your vehicle in the garage. It all starts with a free consultation today at californiaclosets.ca. Hey, Alberta Girl's not wrong in the chat. There are more and more solar panels going up across the country right now, and you know who's installing more of them than anybody else? It's Kubi Renewable Energy. 
just check out their website at kubienergy.ca. The projects link is a great way to take a look at some of the installations they've been doing in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Northwest Territories. I mean, I'm looking at an installation in Canmore, Alberta right now. Beautiful. What about in Bella Coola, BC? Shout out to our friends in British Columbia. If you're a journeyman electrician or an apprentice and you would love to be part of the green energy movement in Canada, I'm excited to tell you right now, Kubi Energy is hiring. You can get in touch with them today at kubienergy.ca. Said goodbye to the dogs this morning as I was walking out the door. Moses, our 11-year-old boxer. Monroe, our four-year-old lab. Neither of them even looked at me. You know why? Because they were hammering away at their Grand Dog Essentials quality raw food. Now, they both eat different stuff based on their health requirements. And we've been able to source this out and figure out the best plan moving forward because the team, the family-owned Grand Dog Essentials team has worked with us to put together the best raw diet, including supplements that give Moses the joint support he needs and actually that help Monroe with her anxiety. You can get in touch with them. This family cares about your furry family members. The promo code REALTALK knocks 10% off your first time order from granddog.ca delivered to your door in Calgary, Edmonton and Central Alberta. And as Erica mentions, the wildfires burning across the country, quite frankly, our thoughts with our fellow Eastern Canadians, our friends in Western Canada, you know that oftentimes an entire community will be impacted by wildfire and sometimes the recovery can take years. For individual families, it feels like you're starting from scratch. We recommend you trust the team at Complete Care Restoration. They've been helping folks in Fort McMurray, Slave Lake, and other communities get back on their feet after devastating fire damage. And they'll work with your insurance company to make sure that the work is done right the first time. We have personally worked with Complete Care Restoration, and I give you a two-thumbs-up endorsement. You can find them online at completecarerestoration.ca. Rachel Notley was not wrong when on Monday night after the election, she pointed out gains made by the NDP. But the fact of the matter is you can lose 6-5 in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup final and you're not the one drinking champagne out of that cup. We're going to talk about the future of the NDP in just a second with Kristen Rayworth and Erica Ifill first. Here's the leader of Alberta's official opposition. Although we did not achieve the outcome that we wanted, we did take a major step towards it. The unprecedented growth of our party through this campaign is a warm light, one that gives me a lot of optimism for the work to come. My friends, let me be clear, now is not the time to let up. Now is the time to step up. Kristen. Is Rachel Notley going to stay on as leader of the NDP, do you think? What's your gut telling you in this circumstance? My gut's telling me no. Um, I don't think that she's going to step down anytime in the immediate future. But we're not just talking about four years as the leader of the official opposition. If she wants to run again, that's eight years. She's already been leader of the party for, I believe, nine. So that's a long time. And I think that for her... She's going to have those conversations with her caucus and with her family and what she wants to do. But I would think that in the next year, it would make sense for her to step down and to bring in new leadership and new blood into that party. Yes, she brought them to a considerable gains. They are the, the most successful they have ever been. 
But I also think that there's going to be voices in that party who feel like they've gone too far to the center. Mm -hmm. And some would even argue too far to the center right. Mm -hmm. And that they made their pitch as progressive conservatives, because let's be honest, that's what they gave us. Yeah. And it didn't work. And so I think there will be people on the left who said we didn't talk about climate change during this election. We didn't. I mean, to be honest, they didn't talk about much. This election really didn't wasn't about anything other than whether or not people liked Notley or Smith better. Which, as it, that did not work out well for the NDP, even though Rachel Notley is personally, I think, more popular. However, I think that you're going to have these people saying, where are our left policies? Why are we not talking about these things? Why is our bi- our biggest thing that if you can remember anything other than the, the tax increase, I can't. That's the that's one of the only things they really talked about. They didn't highlight their social record. They didn't highlight social issues at all. And I think that, that they would have been better served to go back a little bit more to their roots and and focus on some of that positive stuff like Max talked about yesterday, the $10 a day daycare, accelerating that. Where was that policy announcement? Instead, they spent every single day talking about how much better they were than Daniel Smith and how bad she was and trying to appeal to progressive conservatives and old school PCers. And I don't think that that's the way forward for the party. No. And, um, you know, when she came out in that blue, we, we, we spent a lot of time talking about her You're talking about the televised debate yes when she yes so we spent quite a bit of time talking about what she was wearing and i know people are going to say well it doesn't matter what she's wearing or what she looks like because she it does because those are very very meticulous decisions of course right and so <laughs> her coming out looking like a carbon copy of danielle smith sartorily right meant that she couldn't really say this person's bad. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't resonate the same way. You know what I mean? Well, There's no, like, they look like twins. And I was like, you cannot come out and tell people that this person's so bad if you are trying to look like this person. It also highlights the fact that there was little air between the two platforms. Absolutely. When you look at both of the platforms, there was not a lot of space because both Danielle and Rachel Notley were trying to appeal to moderate conservatives. So they were talking about moderate conservative stuff. And when she comes out wearing blue and looking like a PCer, it just further hammers that home. I loved it. I love the outfit. Choice. It was a great suit. I, I just think, her I think hair looked amazing. No, <laughs> both their I hair, was like, both their hair looked I, amazing. No, I know, I know pieces when I see pieces, and somebody put in pieces in her hair. What are you talking it, about extensions? Yeah, and oh they boy. and and it was it was just lovely. It was flowing, very Charlie's Angels, um, but not Farrah Fawcett. I think that the <laughs> I think that the play there. And for people listening on the podcast, I mean, sometimes you got to watch our episodes on YouTube right now. Johnny's put the picture up of the two of them standing side by side. And I think that the play there from both the camps is you can see it's like this is Mm Obi-Wan, right? You have no use for these droids. Yes. You can see this woman as your premier. This woman can be your premier. Yeah. Right. And I think that the blue I mean, I was talking progressive conservative kind of PC the morning after the debate with the strategists. People Mm -hmm. can check out that roundtable. Stephen Carter, by the way, talking about the fact that uh, people are going to agree, you know, NDP and and, uh, conservative supporters will agree on 90 percent of stuff. It's the 10 percent of stuff they're going to vociferously disagree on. Um, but uh, someone quite rightfully as well and astutely pointed out in our chat, they said blue is also Alberta. 
You know, there is that conservative kind of a blue uh, connotation. Obviously, the mm-hmm. branding is effective, but at the same time, blue represents the Alberta flag. And I think that there was a, a conscious play there. I'm not sure that. So why couldn't she come out with Oilers orange? Like, I don't understand. Oh, I don't think orange looks good on anybody. (laughs) Orange. Orange orange looks great on me. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Orange is a tough color to pull off. I'm just saying. I guess you should run for premier of Alberta. No, no, I am not running for office. But if I did, this would be my tagline. Okay. Yes, we can have nice things. Oh, okay. That's kind of like. The champagne approach. And then my response policy. would be, and how are you going to pay for it, Erica? Yeah. And I'm going to say something like re- reallocate resources. Oh, geez. Oh. This is where you make people nervous yeah. and post-secondary education and disability support. Yeah, and- but I believe, I believe in investing in people. I believe in investing in infrastructure. I believe in investing in, um, like, I don't, like, first of all, like, trickle-down economics is bullshit. It has always been bullshit. It's not really an accepted, like, it's bullshit. You know, this idea that you can give to the rich and somehow it'll trickle down to the poor, like, really? (laughs) I mean, it hasn't worked. It does not work. History shows that it's not necessarily viable policy. Oh, and I think that the, I like the, how you're the, threading that needle. Well, I just <laughs> I just know I haven't looked at the live chat yet, but I know that as soon as anybody references even loosely trickle down economics, it explodes with the well, audience. whatever. And I'm not surprised. Do you honestly think either of you that that moving left or swinging back left for the Alberta NDP is a intelligent, intuitive strategic move to win the next election. I think there are some progressive values that they not that they've abandoned, but that they did not highlight. And climate change is the big one. They did not Huge. talk about climate change during. The How election. are they going to get students out to vote for them if they're not talking about climate change? Because there's a demographic sort of connection to some of these issues, right? Especially with climate. So again, if, he, if the NDP is not talking about climate, who's going to talk about climate, mm-hmm. right? Well, I mean, I'd like to see everybody talk remember about climate. When, remember I, when I the think NDP- it's, it's very troubling to me that climate and the environment becomes a partisan issue. Like we're that all breathing is, the same air. We're all you. drinking the same water. Thank like, you. Uh, that to me is really discouraging. There are different ways to approach it. <laughs> For, there are different you, ways to talk about emissions reduction. Do you know that the Supreme reduction. Court just gutted the Clean Water Act? I hope you're not going to like be testing me on this. No, 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 no. This is not a test. <laughs> okay. I, I am happy to be fact checked. Yeah. Happy. No, but, but, but what my point is, is that even though I, th- I think clean air and water in, are inalienable rights, right? That's not usually the case. And we actually have to fight for, to maintain these things, clean water, clean air, the whole thing. And the fact, if if you don't have a voice like the NDP on this issue, then who's going <sighs> to... When you look at the future of the NDP in Alberta, and you acknowledge that in your estimation, and we're not chasing Rachel Notley. Yeah, we have an interview request in with her. I, I quite personally like Rachel Notley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously the door's open when she feels like talking and sitting down. We'll bring her here. We'll ask her these exact same questions. 
she deserves some time to think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some time to kind of like. But she fell into the trap. You know, after after you lose an election, it would suck. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, mm-hmm. you've worked on campaigns, right? Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's great when you win and it sucks when you lose. It really sucks. Um, but, but and so I don't want to be the whole sort of like, you know, while well, the body's still warm talking yeah. about the. But we th- threw it out there yesterday casually, like who could the next leader of this party be? And Max mm. Fawcett had his ideas. He invoked the name of Shannon Phillips as he was drinking from his Racky Pancholi mug. <laughs> you know, Johnny did some deft editing yesterday. If you follow us on Instagram or TikTok, you can see what I'm talking about with some mm-hmm. quick flash photos of some of the candidates and who mm-hmm. they might be. And then you know whose name kept popping up from from real talkers, Ned Nenchi. and I kind of wondered. It was an interesting play. And let me let me. I was I I, I did the Sunday Magazine on CBC with Ned no, last no, 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 Sunday. No, 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 we talked about this. Okay, so let's we get into this. About this. Yes. And, and I and I sat there and I thought ah because he said a few times last week as he endorsed Notley several times he said intentionally she and I had our disagreements. He actually went on the record and said, she's not in the top five premiers I worked with. And he said, and I worked with six. And I went, that is, I said, that is hardly, that, that's a really interesting endorsement, the, the way that he worded that. But then the more I thought about it, I went, well, maybe what he's doing is endorsing the party, but saying a Nenshi-led NDP would look different than a Notley-led NDP. And I wondered if he might be posturing to consider a run of the leadership of that but party. He, but, but he would maintain that kind of centrist. Well, who knows? I mean, who knows? I mean, I... I, I, I mean, historically, someone who is not an active part of a, of a party coming in and saying, I'm going to run you. This is going to go great. Ask Sean Charest how that went for him when he ran for the CPC leadership. Well, it seems to be going okay for Danielle Smith. Uh, but Danielle Smith had been active in, in the UCP coming together. She was active in the United vote. Like she ish. was, she, ish, but enough that like, but Nenshi has not been an active member of the NDP at all. at all. And so I think that people throw him out there because yeah, he's a Calgary name. He's he is a well-known, fairly progressive, yeah. middle of the road. He's nationally guy. known. He's nationally yeah. known. He is a he has a he was a very successful politician in Calgary. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, from my conversations with people within the NDP, if it is going to if there is going to be leadership, they want someone one of their own. And they yeah. want someone who's sitting in the legislature mm-hmm. and they want that grassroots stuff and the like Matt Max kind of alluded to yesterday there is going to be a tension between some some of the more left in the party and people who are like Shannon Phillips who are who are who hold those progressive values but in a more centrist manner so that's definitely going to be a thing to watch as mm-hmm. they move forward but keeping in mind too they they are bringing in i think it's yeah more than 14 actually people who've never sat in the legislature before. It's going to be a big learning curve because it always is. And that's going to be the same thing for the UCP. It's mm-hmm. a huge learning curve le- going from being, especially from the NDP side, being an activist to being a politician. Oh, those are very yeah. different. Roles. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the, so I think that that's <laughs> yeah. why I, I believe that, you know, Notley's not going to make any kind of decision in the near future because she needs to help build that team and she build that strength. To. And she doesn't have to. No, you know, she's the most popular NDP person, probably, I would say, in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which begs the question, what might her future look like in federal politics if she so chooses to mm-hmm. pursue that? Uh, burnout's a factor, too. I'm, yeah. not saying, I'm not saying Rachel Notley's burning out. I mean, she just ran for office. She wanted to be the big job again. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you, you never know. You don't, you, don't, you don't automatically assume someone goes from here to there. But if you're prominent and high profile, I do think you're plotting out your next move. She's probably also waiting to see if conservatives do what we do best and knife our leader. 
because yeah. that is our favorite activity is to knife our leaders. Okay, so is that going to happen? Area. Is that going to happen? That's what we'll ask the co-hosts of the Bad and Bitchy podcast in just a second. Make sure you subscribe uh, to Erica and Kristen's show and, and go ahead and rate it. Us podcasters really appreciate when you rate our shows, when you review the show and when you tell your friends all about it. Hey, our friends at Friesen Brothers want you to know that this weekend, if you're going to be firing up the barbecue, but you don't necessarily have a specific plan in place of course you can go visit them at one of their 16 locations across the province of alberta but check out their easy family meal solutions online it's the family essentials easy family meal solutions flyer interesting uh, simple recipes that can be made using the products that are featured right there in the flyer and of course a lot of grilling and camping tips right now seasonal stuff like marinade recipes even ideas on putting s'mores together how great is that the full flyer is available online at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N. For more than 65 years, Friesen Brothers has been Alberta-grown and Alberta-owned. You know, we're always excited to deliver news from our Real Talk partners like Apex Automation that are just letting you know they're looking for skilled workers. They're building their team right here in Alberta, in BC, across the country, down in their new field office in Houston, Texas. Apex Automation is hiring. If you're a, an electrical or instrumentation engineer, a computer science or process engineer, a mechanical engineer, an instrument tech, or an electrician, you can apply today at apexautomation.ca and learn more about what they're doing in the fields like autonomous vehicles and machinery, distributed control systems, advanced process controls, robotics, all the cool stuff. has a bright future ahead of it. You can be part of it by joining the team at Apex Automation. If you're looking to reinvent your outdoor space, if you're like our family, you finally said enough is enough. The, the, the lawn looks like it's it's been beat up for years and it's just not a functional space. Want to have a little bit more pride in our campfire circle when the fire bands lift, of course, and, and maybe even consider something like a water feature or an outdoor kitchen. Work with Eden Landscaping. They're great listeners. That's their deal. They're not designing your yard for a magazine, though it'll be ready for one. They're designing it for you. And through the project, they never lose sight of the goal, which is making your vision come to life. You can learn about how they work by checking out their website. That's Eden Landscaping online at landscapeedmonton.ca. And I can tell you that Johnny and I will both be treating ourselves this weekend to... Cool treats from the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton in Sherwood Park. Me personally, I'm going to hit up June's Blizzard Treat of the Month. Happy June 1st, everybody. That's the Reese's Caramel Pretzel Blizzard Treat at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and in Sherwood Park on Baseline Road. It's a salty, sweet thrill ride up a crunchy pretzel and peanut trail leading to that world-famous DQ Soft Serve. You can find the June Blizzard Treat of the Month at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Kristen Rayworth, Erica Eiffel joining us, co-hosts of the Bad and Bitchy podcast. You think Daniel Smith will go the full four years? Jason Kenney didn't make it the full four, which I think surprised <laughs> some people. I think it did surprise some people. If you looked at a million plus votes back in 2019, the blue pickup trucks yeah, were unstoppable. The pandemic will do that. No, but nobody has since Klein. We have not had we have not had a conservative leader fill out their full term since Klein. Yeah, and so I think you know with with Stelmac when he brought in you know uh, at the royalty review. 
That I started, like Stelmac. I, I worked for Ed Stelmac. I love yeah. Ed Stelmac. But when he brought in the royalty review, that started to up the wild rose. And that's what helped them. We all know what happened with Alison Redford and her love of private planes. <laughs> um, she's why we don't have planes anymore. Allison. Oh, Allison. You know, I mean, Dave Hancock doesn't really count because he was temporary. He's a placeholder. Yeah. Pl- delightful a, a delightful fella. placeholder. Delightful fella. And, and then, you know, we, and then Jim Prentice obviously did not last particularly long. So this is, and even when you look at the federal conservative leadership, this, you know, Sheer, as soon as, as soon as he lost an election that he should have won by all stretches of the imagination should have won. With how? With everything that was going on with Trudeau at that point, after SNC-Lavalin, after blackface, after all of these different scandals. And I'm with you. Yeah, but I'm with you, but they didn't put up somebody. This is the thing. Who they choose, <laughs> like, I just think... Federally? Federally. Yeah, they choose people who appeal to the base, which is exactly. their problem. Exactly. And these people cannot, they can't break into the 905. They cannot break into that suburban area because they scare the shit out of people. Well, but then they pick someone who's great, because I'm sorry, I love Aaron O'Toole, and I would have loved... He was loved- a residential school denier. He is not. That's not he accurate. Was. He was. He was Aaron caught O'Toole? on tape. He was caught on tape. Do we not remember this? That's news I, to me. That's news to me. I've really? never seen or okay. heard anything like that about okay. Aaron O'Toole. I will. Well, me... you guys keep talking and I'll do the fact check here. But uh, anyway, my on point is... On December 16th of 2020, uh, this per CBC reporting, the headline reads, Aaron O'Toole walks back claim that residential schools were designed to provide education. Uh, NDP MP Charlie Angus said that O'Toole engaged in disgraceful revisionist race baiting to win conservative votes. Uh, This in a speech, again, I'm referencing December of 2020, comments made to Ryerson University students, which has since been renamed, obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, claiming the residential school system was designed uh, to provide education to indigenous children before it went off the rails and became a, quote, horrible program. Uh, in response to this, O'Toole said in a statement, the very existence of residential schools is a terrible stain on Canada's history that has had sweeping impacts on generations of indigenous Canadians. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but so, yeah. So just to go, to go back to the Aaron I'm O'Toole thing, saying. but Aaron O'Toole was, was a switch for them to a more centrist or attempt to be more centrist. Right. And, but and that didn't I will work say either. this. He had the best housing plan i thought you're gonna talk about his platform when he was on the cover and his like muscle shirt oh gosh no. <laughs> but he but he did have a good housing plan That's he of- had the best housing plan mm-hmm. out of everybody because the liberal housing plan was garbage it still is yes what do you not like about it do you have well, another hour yes <laughs> Well, I just don't like when somebody yeah. like this is what this is what it's like to so go for beers with okay, me. If yeah. someone says if someone walks up and says you're an idiot, I say, well, why am I an idiot? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or this plan is brutal. Why is it brutal? Let's talk about the first time homebuyers plan that has very little take up for a reason. Okay, and that's a plan where the government will invest ten percent in your home. Basically, they'll give you ten percent as of, a loan. Yes, as a loan that you don't have to pay back un- until you sell the house. Okay. Right. But they're getting 10 percent of appreciation of the house. Who is the homeowner or the government? The government. Okay, Right. And I don't. Sounds like a win win for the government or for you. Like, I don't want the government having 10 percent of my house. (laughs) I mean, it didn't it didn't have take up, Mm. number one, because the criteria um. And, and they've lifted this now. The cap was at 120,000 of income per 
household, right? And they've raised that cap to 150, but you can only borrow four times that cap, right? And look at house prices. It just didn't ke- it didn't keep up with the rapid growth of house prices. Yeah, I, I get really twisted up on this. And Rayworth, I know that you also get become uh, well. I, w- I won't describe how you feel about it, but I like like me. We're 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 not afraid to sort of like acknowledge that sometimes our left leaning tendencies will inform our feelings on something, and sometimes our right leaning mm-hmm. tendencies. And here's one, and this is one for me uh, where I get very uncomfortable with the idea of governments. And I'm going to use the supercharged word of med in the free market. And I do acknowledge that affordable housing is a real issue. It is. And I do acknowledge that it's an issue if Canadians in markets like Vancouver and Toronto can't afford housing. I would also say you're not entitled to live in beautiful, sprawling properties within five minutes of the downtown core. And I think it's dangerous when government starts to really interfere with a free market. And so I I don't have a definitive position on this. I do think that there needs to be well-funded municipal and especially provincial and federal initiatives on affordable housing. But I don't love the idea of politicians stepping in to pump uh, the brakes on markets. I No, because they make them worse, usually. Yeah, I like just, they make the they exacerbate the problem. Is my I'm point. from the government and I'm here to help you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is an interesting. That gave I me a chill. Some of these comments. Jillian says, "How does Trudeau wearing blackface 20 years ago make me think oh, I'll vote God. for a guy who make me think I'll vote for a guy who today thinks I'm not a person and wants to take my rights away?" Uh, that's kind of an interesting comment there. No, 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 no. Okay, let me talk about this blackface 20 years ago. Okay, because it's amazing to me how much anti-blackness just gets swept under the rug mm-hmm. like it's nothing jillian's black by the way well sorry i don't know, jillian. That, I don't know if that changes your no I just it want doesn't you to have the facts. jillian you should damn well know better oh jeez. no i'm sorry you're not gonna you're not gonna say yeah you did blackface but hey that's okay i mean obviously we did but my point is bringing it up okay so number one when conservatives bring it up it's not in good faith it's never in good faith it's all to dunk on Trudeau and you're just bringing stuff up just to dunk on him. You don't give a shit about blackface, right? Mm. Secondly, when people say to me, that's over, it's like you're saying racism is over. It ain't. So I have a problem with people sweeping that stuff under the rug. Now, it doesn't have to be definitive of that person's character now, right? It doesn't have to be definitive. It's not like I'm saying Trudeau is an anti-black asshole. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we need to recognize when these things happen, not to sweep them under the rug. And what Trudeau should have done in that case is say, listen, yeah, I did it. It was wrong. I've lived. I've learned. And this is what I've learned. Mm -hmm. I would have been cool with that. Because what he's doing in a leadership position is saying, I have done that work to learn. We all should be doing that work to learn. Right? That's, that's I don't it. disagree with the word you said. That's I don't it. disagree with the word you said. And I would have been fine. Uh, Evan on the live chat says, I'm sorry, Jespo, but the free market is what's fucked up the housing market to begin with. Oh, you um, got told. That from Evan. <laughs> he says, well, I mean, and, and, and Evan and I would probably have a great time over beers and we no, could, no, no, we could debate this. But I he know. says, he says, I'm trying to look uh, for a house to rent in the fall. Uh, the leasing agent told us there were three houses next to each other, all owned by some guy living way over in Ontario. Why is that okay? Uh, why is that not okay? 
I don't know. Why is that not okay? Now we're going to start saying you got to live in the where you like. What about Albertans that want to own cottages and cabins in the shoe swap? What about I? I don't know. Whatever. We don't need to get off track on this. Maybe we would just disagree. No, this is my thinking face. Justin says there's no (laughs) such thing as a completely free market. Uh, he says government regulation he, he needs is to, right. And, and he, of course, he is right. Uh, Justin's a sharp guy. He says he says government regulation needs to curb the worst aspects of rampant capitalism. Uh, Market and then failures. He, he, right? And he quite rightfully says, look at the orphan well problem in Alberta. Mm-hmm. That is the free market. Yeah, a whole new take on free, Justin. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Let's transition to talk on federal politics mm. before we run out of time. I mm. just looked at the clock and realized, of course, we could go till noon if we wanted to. But there was an exchange uh, in the house yesterday between, oh, good God. you yes. know where I'm going yes, with this, I the know. prime minister and Pierre Polyev, the leader of the official oh, opposition, obviously the leader of the conservatives. We can get, we can talk about unserious people. Absolutely. So, so it was kind of along the lines of like, let, you know, let's make Trudeau a drama teacher again. This is the common trope that you hear. And, uh, the prime minister hit it head on and then something else happened. Yes, Mr. Speaker, I was a high school teacher before getting into politics, and I'm having a little trouble remembering what exactly the job that the leader of the opposition had before getting into politics. Mr. Speaker, we have a plan to fight with a grocery rebate, with a growing economy, with great middle-class jobs. Uh, We're delivering health care supports for Canadians from coast to coast to coast, delivering dental care that has helped 300,000 kids uh, access dental care over the past number of months, including 1,100 in his own writing. Uh, Mr. Speaker, we will continue to be there for Canadians. Honourable Leader of the Opposition. Yes, and... uh Yes, and he left right in the middle of the semester, and I'm having trouble remembering why. Oh! Now, Mr. Speaker. Interesting to see Leslin Lewis's face on that. I don't think she. I liked- was looking at Michael Chong, who uh. stayed sitting down because he's a good man. So did Scott Atchison. Okay. Mm. Let's so get into it. What what Polyev is is uh, alluding to in that comment is an online conspiracy that began with the Buffalo Chronicles. By the way, if anyone reads that, don't. Um, and the rumor is is that Trudeau was alleged to have been involved with a student, which is why he left the school, and that there was some large NDA, which is why this student has never appeared anywhere. And this has been consistently raised over since 2018, 2019. And it's a very much online conspiracy. It's along the lines of this, of, you know, he's Castro's son and mm-hmm. this and that. Mm-hmm. And that is what Polyev is alluding to there, which is completely disgusting in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I tweeted about it yesterday and Oh my lord! Rip my mentions because all the crazies came out to the yard, yeah, including one who told me he wanted to shoot me. So that was fun. Um, oh, but it didn't violate Twitter's terms of service. It did didn't. It, it oh, didn't. Wild. Um, fun. Mm. But and so this is. But this is who he is speaking to. That's the bigger pro- problem for me. Is that he knows exactly what he's doing, making Absolutely. that comment, and he knows exactly who he's activating. Absolutely. And it's those people who believe all of these conspiracies about Trudeau. And I'm no Trudeau fan. I do. I. I am not. Not at all. But you are the I, world's biggest Joe Clark fan. That is true because Joe Clark is awesome and fantastic. But not a huge Trudeau fan. But okay. no. And, but you know what? I like to be a huge. I like to criticize his policies and his and real things that actually exist, not 
crazy rand- random made up stuff. And Pierre Polyev, as the leader of the official opposition, should be better than that. Absolutely. So unserious people. Okay. This is so unserious, like the fact, but it has serious consequences Ah, because unserious people are dangerous. Okay. Because their shit has serious consequences. The fact that let's look at the official leader of, of the opposition who has a placement in the political structure that is hella important, right? Is net is bringing in conspiracy theories into the house, into parliament. Are you for real? And what does that say about combating misinformation? Mm. We don't give a shit about combating misinformation. Because if so, that wouldn't be happening or he would have been censored in some way. Jagmeet Singh got censored for calling somebody a racist. Why isn't Pierre Poiliev getting censored? Mm. That is my question because the... The fact is, is that he is legitimizing these conspiracy theories by bringing them into parliament and talking about them. And we don't have a media that's going to push back on that. Well, and the other thing is, is because of the way that he frames it, he is speaking to those people directly. Directly. He's, he's not raising an issue that now all of a sudden regular Canadians, I was going to say regular Canadians who watch QP, but who is that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's not regular. No, that's these people. But It's us geeks yeah. and nerds. Yeah. 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 Not normals. <laughs> normals do not do that. No. But it, it it's speaking to the direct, and he knows that. And he knows he's speaking to the people that, because I think sometimes one of the issues that I have with the CPC is that, since Bernier left and since the creation of the People's Party of Canada, mm-hmm. um, it feels like the conservatives are trying to win back those votes. Yeah. So, for, for example, in the riding that, that we're in right now, Edmonton City Center, Edmonton Center, sorry, f- federally, James Cumming lost by the percentage of votes that went to the People Party. Mm, to Randy Boissonneau. Yeah, for to, folks uh, well, yeah, he lost to Randy Boissonneau. But when you look at the percentage for the People's Party, if those people had stuck with the conservatives, James could have won. And so I feel like this is a model that Polyev is looking at is getting those people back. And one of the ways he's apparently chosen to do that is by saying shit like this in in QP. Yeah, but at what risk? Exactly. And at what risk? Because it does put it puts the prime minister again at risk of all sorts of crappy things being said about him. Mm -hmm. But not only that is that we're assuming that this is staying online. Right. Mm -hmm. And nothing that nothing like that that starts online stays online. So he's actively putting people at risk by promoting these conspiracy theories. Cause like it's a short line between that and showing up with the, with, where the prime minister is or showing up at Rideau hall or something like that. As has happened. As has happened. And that is the dangerous part. And nobody is talking about how dangerous that is and how he's setting that up. Uh, I wanted to get back to the live chat on this. Uh, Tony, on the context of Justin Trudeau and blackface, says he's apologized many times for those photos. What does he have to do? Cut out a kidney? I told Um, you what he has to do. Weren't you listening? Ken says Trudeau said wearing blackface was something that he, quote, deeply, deeply regrets, but insists that he's not the man that he was years ago. And Jillian has followed up and said Erica is correct that conservatives don't bring up blackface in good faith. Where we differ is the left trap of looking for that alternative that isn't in front of us which hands the right wins uh, that's I don't, Jillian's no 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 no, no 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 I don't give a crap about what's what's right is right 
At the end of the day, everybody excusing it can excuse it all they want to. What's right is right. He I don't know. Apologized do you, think, do you think people are excusing it? I think, I think people. Uh, like I was. I think people. I think when it happened, people were very quick to say, "Ah, he apologized." Bye. And he didn't. This man couldn't answer how many times he did it. He couldn't answer what context, like what were you doing at the time? Da 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 da. I mean, this guy was so committed. He did his knees. Okay, he like his whole body was into it. He's done it multiple times. Mark Miller was there when he when he did it once. Minister of Indigenous Services, right? Or, or at least so that one my time. thing is that as soon as it came out, every everybody and I'm going to say white people especially were just like, ah, oh, that was so long ago. He was a kid. He was 29. Okay, and and there is this perpetual, there is this perpetual forgiveness of certain things so for example there's there's is a it fair to say that everybody wants to forgive their person they do is there is there a way to say that that the same person that will and i'm not talking about you erica yeah, yeah, yeah. but the same person that will go at justin trudeau for the next 10 to 15 years for wearing blackface will be totally fine with uh newly elected lacombe Pinoca mla jennifer johnson oh. uh, reconciling her comments about gender divergent kids as feces and cookie batter they'll be fine with her learning from this yes. and re yep. re rejoining yeah. the yep. conservative caucus in the next three to six months yep. like can we acknowledge that yep. someone yep. will be perpetually outraged and i'm not i'm not diminishing blackface it's not a good no, look. No, no, no. I, I know what I'm you're just saying, saying. Right? I know you what get you're that saying. It, it, yeah. it's, it's unacceptable for the rest of Justin Trudeau's living, breathing time on earth that he did that, but it's fine that person X did this because they represent our political People party. are only allowed to change if we politically agree with them. Yeah. Otherwise, then they, they are not. And They're, I think I they, think just to touch yeah. briefly on... on, on I, think, I didn't expect to spend this this much time on me neither, place. but that's okay. Yeah. I think what we also what we also do. I, I someone made the argument on your show. I can't remember who that basically now with the, some of the comments that Daniel Smith's made, those are in the can. They're done. Like they can't be reused in four years because they happened. Yep, she won the election. Played the cards, and so I think that there's a difference between you know the blackface issue as a p politically strategic tool. Mm -hmm. Like if yep. if. Polyev runs and then put, you know goes off about blackface. Trudeau has won twice since then. Right, it is not a political tool that will be effective in moving votes. Anymore. I wouldn't believe him anyway. Okay, yeah. let me ask you this before we wrap. Uh, if you're just joining us live streaming the audio, wait, app, Mixler, wait, wait, what? What? What do you mean? We no, go. because we didn't even get to the feds. Well, this is what I'm asking you: Who's going to win? This is what we're going to wrap with. Who's going to form the next federal election? Who's going to form the next federal government? Is it going to be Pierre uh, Polyev, or is it going to be the Liberals? And if it is the Liberals, is it going to be a Justin Trudeau-led Liberal Party? I have to believe that Trudeau wants to beat Poliev in an election. They've he never does. squared off. And I also believe that there's, uh, with no disrespect to some very intelligent and experienced front benchers within the Liberal caucus, I believe personally right now that Justin Trudeau is the Liberals' best bet to beat Poliev, but he might also be their Achilles heel. Yep. What do the two of you think? Absolutely. So where does this federal election go? In the next two years. I'm not saying this one like it's coming soon. Jagmeet Singh says they're going to keep propping him up. Yeah, they they gave away all their power. The NDP did. Yeah. Okay. So 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 it's good for the liberals. Um, Polyev's, I gotta say, doing a hell of a job in opposition. He's infusing a lot of energy into that conservative movement. He is. He's raising a lot of money. He's doubled their membership. So what happens? And he's sidelined really good politicians too. So, um, is it me or does Polyev have a 
a bit of an issue with attracting women. Uh, well, I mean, the facts show that that is the case. Okay. Like the polling and numbers. Right. And and some of the most talented women, the Michelle Rempels of the party, for example, have been yeah. sidelined by him. Uh-huh. Don't you think you may have to need to rectify that? I, I'm surprised. Melissa Lanceman, I think, is one that they could really build a lot around. And, yep. and I'd be curious to see how yeah. they're going to use her in the next little She's while. She's a huge star for that party. She's I agree. a huge star. Yep. And she represents, I think, the future of what that party can look like. Her, Eric Duncan, um, there are some good people who came in over the next over the last little while. I think that for Polyev, he has to almost hope that the economy stays where it's at mm-hmm. because, you know, and whether or not this is factually accurate and people argue about this all the time, mm-hmm. if the issue is the economy, it tends to very much support uh, conservatives. Mm-hmm. However, I, I think that if he continues with the messaging around things like I will cancel $10 a day daycare. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. Unserious. Like, Anybody who's going to run on that or even say that out loud is unserious. And the same thing with with d- dental care. I mean, I, yep. you can't, once a group of people have been given something and a support and you're going to tell a parent who ne- who, who, who is saving $1,000 a month on daycare and money on dental care for their child, oh, no, no, I'm going to give you a tax credit instead. That is just not going to work. So no. I think that if he, if he, And it's not going to work in Ontario. No. And it's not going to work in Quebec. Well, Quebec has their own thing, but it's not going to work in Ontario. And it's not going to work in a place where in the places he needs to win because those suburban moms love $10 daycare for obvious reasons. Yeah. And if we've seen anything from what happened with Rachel Notley, I mean, a year ago, and I think I, I think I even said this to you. I thought the NDP was going to win the election provincially. I think everybody had a very good sense because they were up in every single possible way in fundraising and the polls. Mm-hmm. And look where we are now. Mm-hmm. A lot can happen in a year. And Absolutely. Or two years. This is why I'm not making a prediction. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a little early to make predictions, yeah. but yeah, I uh, let me say I this. don't know. This is like the lamest take of it that mm-hmm. I will offer up. And that is that I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. I honestly wouldn't be surprised. How's that? That's bullshit. It's so much fun having Erica Eiffel and Kristen Rayworth with us in studio, a podcast crossover episode. So may I see it's, it's an honor to, appear in a way on your podcast because this is going to be released by Bad and Bitchy yes, as well. Make sure yes. you subscribe to Bad and Bitchy and show them some love by rating and reviewing. Uh, you guys have like a front row seat for our Friday tradition now. Are you guys ready? Oh, I'm excited. Yes. This is my second trash up. talk. This is your no, second this is trash my talk first. in person. Wait, this wait, wait. Is, How does is, this work? So this is, this is these are real emails, right? We don't we don't identify like their email addresses or their last names. Okay. These, these are every single week presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. Uh, you can get a free quote today at Local Environmental <laughs> <laughs> in Alberta and Saskatchewan. You see how we do that. Yeah, Aaron. yeah, yeah. It's I shameless, saw that. but it's very Yo, effective. No, I don't. Uh, I don't knock a hustle. So, oh no. And this is the first. Obviously, let me say it's the first trash talk since the election. So this is an Alberta election edition of a little something we call trash talk. All right, this one from Rebecca who says, I am so sick of listening to people wax on about how this election was the NDPs to lose, a missed shot on an open net. Pull your heads out of your asses. This is solely on the shoulders of the voters and non-voters of Alberta, the people who think this election was a choice between a bad option and a worse one. One party is steeped in hate and ignorance and ludicrous increases to cost of living and unethical actions, and the other is orange. 
This was Alberta voters missing a shot on an open net. This wasn't a loss for the NDP. This was a loss of common sense and decency for the province of Alberta. That from Rebecca. This from Brad. Jesperson, your praise of Danielle Smith's speech is really odd to me. Like it was literally boilerplate. I gave her credit for saying that she's going to learn from her mistakes yesterday. I don't know if I praised it, Brad, but I digress. He says it could have been worse. She's proven to lie. Like, let's see what she actually does. Like, I don't know, giving jobs to failed Edmonton candidates. They're calling it the Council of Losers she's going to consult with. That's bonkers. Brad says this isn't good. He says, by the way, I'm shocked that every media outlet and every reporter is not in central Alberta right now in Lacombe, Pinoca, asking people on the street why the hell they elected a person that literally called children pieces of shit. Something's wrong with society. This is the type of stuff that people used to resign over. Like Rick Bell, even, on your show, saying, I didn't write about it. It didn't move the needle. Yeah, no shit. It didn't move the needle because you didn't write about it. Everybody glossed over it, made it normal. You know, Sally in her Facebook group hears people say stuff like that all the time, and nobody in the group says anything, right? If Rick Bell or others would have stood up and called it abhorrent and saying she should step down, then the normal reaction would have been that. But now we have thousands of people in Alberta thinking this is mainstream. Brad says, I bet you by October, she's back in caucus and all is well, and it's fucking terrible. That from Brad. What about this from Sylvia, who says it hasn't taken long for Daniel Smith to show her ignorance of democracy with a desire to create a council of the defeated, a council of losers to advise about Edmonton issues. When you interview her next week, Ryan, maybe you could remind her that all these people were, you know, not elected in Edmonton and ask her how she thinks that democracy is supposed to work. We have duly elected MLAs duly elected city of Edmonton councillors and a mayor that we have chosen to represent us. How about she starts there? Sylvia says, by the way, great job on pre-election coverage. Thanks, friend. This one from Tanya, who says, Hi there, moderate conservative Alberta. I see you out there. You voted conservative your whole life. You convinced yourself to do so again, because even though Danielle Smith and Take Back Alberta scares the crap out of you, you told yourself that it would be okay. The moderate voices in the party and cabinet would keep things normal. Status quo, the way it has been for generations. It would all be okay. She will soon be gone. Uh, Tanya then, in all caps, says, (laughs) Pause for breath. Wipes tears from eyes. My friends, you have been played. Welcome to Wild Rose Far Right Alberta. Your party is gone. You lost it. Even if Smith goes, her replacement will be even battier. We're going to get the government we voted for. And once the smoke and the mirrors from the campaign clear, they'll show themselves soon enough. So now is the time, says Tanya, to really stand up for what you believe in. Join us over in the My Vote Belongs to Me, Not a Party camp and shed the blue hue. See this government for what it is, not what you wish it to be. And we'll see you again in 2027. That from Tanya. And we wrap with one from Randy, who says, Ryan, I just listened to Real Talk Podcast for the second time last night. I was tipped off on the link from Daniel Smith's website. I find it troubling that there is a continued attack on her for her views and past comments. He says, I'll keep this short as the last email I sent you. You didn't even have the courtesy of sending a reply or an acknowledgement of the message I sent. I have found this very common from people who don't want to have a conversation about the issues. It's also common with people that get a lot of fucking emails, Randy. But thanks for taking the time to chime in. He says, why don't you do a show called Rachel Notley Two-Time Loser? I'll tune in for that one for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, Randy, yesterday we wondered what went wrong with the NDP. And you can find that episode on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can send us your trash talk to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Proudly presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. Erica Ifill, 
Kristen Rayworth, great friends of Real Talk, and it's awesome, and I'm proud to be a friend of Bad and Bitchy. We're off tomorrow, friends. We'll see you again Monday. Charles Adler and Dr. Lisa Young on Danielle Smith's populist governance plan. We'll get into it, and we'll see you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, executive producer Josh Dunford, technical producer John Hicks, general manager Katie Cook Chivers, account coordinator Lawrence Durlego, human resources Lena Shepard, website design Mike Johnston, voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola. Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.